Welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Steve. I'm Mischievous Dave. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we're talking about episode six of season one of What If, titled What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark. But before we get into this week's dramatic episode, we have some feedback from last week's episode from Jazz. Hello, this is Jazz with a review of What If? The Zombie Episode. I know Sean's excited to see all the zombies, so I'm sure this will probably be her favorite one. I was happy to hear the King of Wakanda again. I found his rendition very touching, and he seemed to give it his all as a voice actor as well as uh, when he is in front of the screen. So I thought that the story was good overall. I'm not a zombie fan overall, but this was a good episode. I did think it was interesting that Vision somehow warped his moral and what's right and wrong capabilities to tweak it so that Wanda could have a snack whenever she wanted by sending out beacons saying, I found a cure, come on over, and then come to find out he just wanted them for a snack, which is just wrong on multiple levels and should have really affected his programming. And the king was missing a leg, so I guess he was taking him out in stages, so she only got a small snack every couple of weeks found that kind of odd and then at the very end he has a change of heart after he's killed how many people so that was kind of interesting and an interesting resolution i felt bad for ant-man to lose hope twice and he was just ahead so that's kind of odd but it does prove that it worked so too bad vision couldn't figure out a way to fix a certain portion of the humanity and you know leave enough for his wife to have as a snack just Ant-Man. At first, I thought that it was going to have a happy ending because they were going to Wakanda, which was the last place on Earth that wasn't going to have any zombies. And then, because there were only essentially two people left, sort of. And then at the very end, you see that Thanos is already within Wakanda and there are zombies already there trying to get out and he already has the Infinity Gauntlet. So essentially, they're all toast. So that sort of ended a little less positive than I would have liked. But granted, I don't watch that many zombie movies and I'm pretty sure it's just a plod until the end and then you're eat because everybody becomes dinner eventually. So the graphics was good. The art was good. You made me feel for all the characters. Hulk gave up himself to fight Wanda. You don't know which one won. You're assuming probably not Hulk because eventually somebody's going to chew on him. But, you know, I thought actually it needed Ash and a chainsaw from like the, wasn't the Walking Dead. It was the, I don't know, he's in a zombie flick that's very popular. Army of the Walking Dead. There we go. Let's see, the last two episodes for What If are very dark. And I hope the next one will be positive. It, of course, had great voice acting and the lip to speaking ratio was better so they didn't seem like they were a couple seconds off like they did for a few others and i generally enjoyed it and that's about it thanks bye well thank you jazz for that wonderful feedback yeah hate to disappoint you jazz but wait till you hear this one (laughs) 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 oh it won't be dark oh really yeah ash was from the evil dead series right that's bruce campbell yeah yeah amazing (laughs) but yes i was of course you geeked about the zombies because i was excited why not i mean there's so many ways they can go with it i have a question though for you guys about that and that jazz was thinking that thanos was in wakanda is that what you guys picked up because i thought thanos was just somewhere on on the planet with the gauntlet not in wakanda yeah i kind of felt that way too 
it didn't look specific to Wakanda, but yeah, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, really. <laughs> but still, losing hope because he's going to wipe out half. And based on what we know from the movie, how many people from Wakanda disappeared? There was a whole lot of them. Yeah. So if we lose Suri, who was pretty much their hope for science-wise, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And yeah, is there ever really a happy ending with zombies? Uh, nope. nope. <laughs> it's more like, is there something we can live? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember any zombie movie that ended well. And they may have killed some zombies, but like the ending wasn't good because of something that happened to a main character or how many people we've lost. And then you have to you know, deal with all that. So, yeah, I don't think any zombie movie is ever 100% good no and yeah i did think it was interesting how vision was able to change i don't know if you can call it his programming but definitely his outlook on life to where he thought it was just fine to make sure wanda was kept alive no matter who it hurt or killed so (laughs) that was a little strange well As always, Jazz, we appreciate your feedback and looking forward to hearing from you again. Thanks, Jazz. Thanks, Jazz. All right. What did we think about this week's episode, John? It was dark. (laughs) It was like, dang, okay, I'm liking the What If series. It's just like, oh, my gosh, everything is so dark. This is right up my alley, which is strange to say. Uh, But (laughs) I feel like the way... Some of it ended up going that it should have been picked up on earlier. But yeah, I, I'm still it's like, oh, OK, I'm not feeling as happy like going into the, this episode as I did going into the zombie episode, if that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah, zombies. It's like Killmonger. OK, is this going to change? It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they weren't able to take the evil out of Killmonger, that's for sure. No. And what, we've only had one that ended happily, and that was (laughs) Star-Lord. Yeah, you know, I know we're not rating this at all, but if we were, I would give it two and a half Smarty Pants Sisters out of five. (laughs) (laughs) And that that came to me so suddenly at the end. Well, it didn't come to me. The the, the Suri sitting there figuring it out, like, okay. But I agree with Sean, it's too dark. So dark that every what if has to be bad. Yeah. They're trying to top each one. Yeah. How many more episodes left in this? I don't know how much I can take. I'm kidding, but good grief. Yeah, we only got three episodes left of this season, so. They can go down some dark hole and never be able to dig its way out. Come on, it started with Captain Britain. And, you know, it's like, all right, we're starting Ah, strong. And then it's like. Now we're going to kill everybody you know yeah. in the whole thing. <laughs> the whole Marvel Universe is dead. I think they're just reminding us over and over again that Tony Stark is dead. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they've killed him off in three of these episodes so far. <laughs> Weird. Surely there's a multiverse somewhere where Tony survives. Yeah. He's not a falling down drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. And maybe this is what confused the man in Loki, because he's like, oh, things are going awry. Good luck. <laughs> Everybody's going to die. Very dramatic. What did you think, Steve? Actually, I enjoyed it. 
even though it you know, didn't yeah, end it was well done, right? Yes, absolutely, it was well done, and it was great that they Pepper even gets Rhodey to do a background check on Killmonger, and it just comes up clean. And Pepper was right to be suspicious of him. Yeah, but <laughs> it wasn't until we were halfway through that he goes, <laughs> "Oh no, it's just a backdoor way for him to get back at Wakanda." And it's just like, "Okay, <laughs> this isn't going to end well for anybody." Yeah, it was a good I plan. I agree at with all. you though that it was well done, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. All of these have been well done. It's just like, holy crap, you're blowing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shall we get into this? Sure, a quick recap. Killmonger rescues Tony Stark, or does he, when his Humvee is attacked in Afghanistan and manipulates his influence for a design on conquering Wakanda. Ponder with me the question. Episode 6 opens in nearly identical fashion to 2008's Iron Man, with Tony Stark riding a military transport through Afghanistan. The soldier is taking a backseat photo, of course, just like the live action movie. And it was word for word, gang signs included. And yes, that's in in quotation marks. And suddenly the Ten Rings attack closely follows John Favreau's original direction. Now, I had to rewind that twice because I'm like, wait, Ten Rings? I honestly did not remember that from the movie. I don't know why. Probably because... It hasn't come into focus until now. Right. That's a long time. Yes. You remember something from 2013 years ago. So, yeah, Yeah. we've all slept since then. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely, what if changes a few minor details along the way? Some dialogue is removed, no doubt, for pacing purposes. And the song played inside the truck is no longer ACDC's Back in Black. Why would you take that out unless you don't have the rights for it at this point? The MCU's Eric Killmonger is a highly decorated Navy SEAL, but his presence wasn't felt until a decade after Iron Man's big screen debut. However, Killmonger serving in Afghanistan is pulled straight from Black Panther's dialogue, in which the villain mentioned touring the Middle Eastern state. So what if interprets Killmonger's vague MCU backstory to bring him and Stark together in the same place at the same time? Past What If episodes included brief animated recap of what should have transpired in MCU continuity before delving into alternate scenarios proper. Killmonger's story is no different. We witness a cartoon Tony Stark building his very first rudimentary Iron Man costume, assembling the Avengers during the Battle of New York, and snapping Thanos out of existence in Endgame. Striking up an immediate BFF relationship with Eric Killmonger Stevens, Tony Stark appoints the soldier as new chief security officer. <laughs> he like didn't even question anything about the Ten Rings, though. Come no, on, he Tony. didn't. You're Not supposed to be super smart. Yep. It's always drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and we cut over to Happy Hogan, who quips to Pepper, that was supposed to be my promotion. <laughs> And this line is a nod towards Iron Man 3, where Happy actually did get promoted to Stark Industries' head of security. Apparently, he had his eye on the gig a while beforehand. Now, What If seems to like Leslie Bibbs' MCU character Christine Everhart. The journalist made her live-action debut in 2008's Iron Man, interviewing Tony Stark before getting up close and personal later that evening. Everhart oh, returned. Oh, that's what we're calling it now. Yeah. <laughs> Everhart returns in What If 
under slightly different circumstances, asking a question at Stark's press conference, but not making that same one-on-one connection. Yeah, I think Pepper would have had something to say about that. (laughs) The reporter is again voiced by Bib, who was also heard in Doctor Strange What If episode. The plot of 2008's Iron Man sees Obadiah Stane attempt to upsurp Tony Stark as Stark Industries CEO by arranging the Ten Rings assassination hit. When Stark survives, he makes the transformation into Ironmonger and takes a DIY approach instead. Thanks to Killmonger, however, the Obadiah problem is solved inside a few short minutes. As Eric has already deduced, Stain was responsible for the attack and exposes him in full view of the world's press. As a result, Stain never makes the leap to becoming Ironmonger, and one MCU problem is successfully averted. But sure. is it really? <laughs> Not much of a kind of a pyrrhic victory there. Yeah. <laughs> And Killmonger whips out his receipts to prove Obadiah (laughs) Stang's guilt, and the faint outline of the Ten Rings logo can be seen among the files, right next to an image of the aspiring Stark Industries CEO. It's the same logo used throughout the MCU, but now holds a deeper significance following Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And if you've watched that little, if you have Disney Plus, there's, I think it's called like, Hail to the King or something. It's something about the Mandarin. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really short. I think it's like 10 minutes. And it was interesting how that brings a little bit more to light, too, about the Ten Rings. So I highly recommend it because if you're watching this, chances are you have access <laughs> yes. to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. And of course, after Stain's plot is revealed, Happy Hogan activates bodyguard mode and drops the double-crossing villain with a mean right hook. The scene is a nod to Happy's pre-MCU boxing career, which is his backstory in the Marvel comic books, too. Now, what if Zombies episode also referenced Happy's skills in the ring? Well, we're just getting more Hogan than we know what to do with. (laughs) Not content with stealing Happy Hogan's promotion, Killmonger accepts Tony Stark's offer to become his new chief operating officer following the abrupt firing of Obadiah Stane. Yeah, excuse me? Yeah, Tony, where's your head? <laughs> like, here, I'm just going to throw everything at you. Have at it, kid. Yeah, Pepper Pot overhears the exchange and, just like Happy, isn't especially pleased. And this scene is an homage to <laughs> Iron Man 2, where Pepper herself landed the coveted COO gig. But that was before Killmonger started collecting Stark Industry jobs on his Infinity Gauntlet of Employment. Ah, uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> In Avengers Endgame, several Robert Downey Jr. lines foreshadowed his final act sacrifice, Tony Stark almost certainly realizing defeating Thanos would cost his life, warning Steve Rogers how time messes back, and with his trademark dark humor claiming that reversing the snap would result in the Avengers' collective demise. Although events played out differently in What If, Stark once again predicts his own death, comparing himself and Killmonger to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. (laughs) Where did that come from? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Another interest—that's boomer talk, baby. Yeah. <laughs> another another interesting detail is Stark's Butch and Sundance metaphor comes when he clarifies "I'm Sundance" as Pepper walks away. <laughs> this you might know, have even some- in cartoon form, she was rolling her eyes hard, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely, she was. <laughs> this might have something to do with Sundance being played by Robert Redford, the MCO's own Alexander Pierce, the Secretary of Defense, who clashes with Stark after the Battle of New York. 
Tony wanting to be Robert Redford creates a moment of meta comedy that only what if could get away with. Kind of clever. <laughs> yeah, it was. I yeah. didn't even think of that. So yeah, apparently some of it's just too deep for me to know. It's widely known that the MCU originally cast Terrence Howard as Rhodey in 2008's Iron Man, and only for Don Cheadle to take the role in Iron Man 2 afterward. You know, I liked Terrence Howard at it. I think there were some like backstage conflicts. Right. Conflicts. Yeah, I think so. Some of it might have been a smear campaign. Oh, he's difficult to work with. Right. Uh, it's too bad. Actually, you haven't seen much Terrence Howard. Since, yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was because he got on that other show that I'm having a brain fart that's actually out here in Chicago. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I I don't know. I, I, he might have taken that because he had plenty of free time. Who knows? Uh, I think after this, he did... Season one of Wayward Pines before he moved on to Star or whatever that show's name was. Yeah, but I yeah, I haven't seen him much since then, that's for sure. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's a great yeah, actor. I like Don Cheadle, too. Yeah. <laughs> what if episode six takes place during the Iron Man's timeline, but when the animated Rhodey makes his first appearance, the character is Cheadle's version? Marvel fans wouldn't have had expected anything less, but it's interesting that the franchise is attempting to rewrite the current war machine into the Early MCU history. I'm okay with that. Yep. Tony Stark's beloved Ford Flathead Roaster appears in both Iron Man and Iron Man 2, a classic car that the billionaire loves to tinker with when he's not being rich, acting like a playboy, flexing his genius, or doing philanthropy, or pouring down scotch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when Tony and Kumanga enter Stark's workshop, the hot rod can be spotted at the very end of the sports car lineup. Also in Stark's workshop, Kumanga curiously picks up a prototype he identifies as a repulsor tech. Repulsors are the main palm-mounted weapons Stark wields in his Iron Man armor, and it's fascinating to see his early repulsor designs in What If. Yeah, that was cool. I Stark, didn't even realize that either. Yeah. <laughs> Stark explains to Killmonger how he wanted to condense the Jericho missile into a portable firearm, Jericho being the reason Stark was vis- visiting Afghanistan in the first place. Stealing the repulsor gun right out of Killmonger's hands is dummy. <laughs> the robot Stark Built as a prodigious youngster, Dumb E appears throughout the MCU alongside the inventively titled partner Dumb U, usually aiding Tony in the building more wacky creations. I always like those, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Killmonger quotes Howard Stark as saying, peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. That's good spirit talk. <laughs> <laughs> this quote was the first spoken by Tony during his interview with Christine Everhart in Iron Man. Killmonger echoing Howard Proves, though, Wakanda has done his research in What If. Boy, has he ever. Yeah. I smelled a rat about him when he showed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just oh. said, like, huh? You think? You think? Killmonger finally triggers his master plan, subtly dropping his combat drone project into conversation with Tony Stark. You know, he was a good character. I liked him from Black Panther. Right. It's a shame. They killed him off, spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perusing the designs, Stark is taken aback by the exaggerated aesthetic. To which Killmonger responds, I like anime. I do. <laughs> the line was very likely inspired by Michael B. Jordan's own interest in Japanese animation, which led to Killmonger's MCU costume being based on Vegeta's Saiyan armor from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I thought I recognized that. Yep. <laughs> well, Jordan has spoken of his love with Norato, Attack of Titan, and more. I hope he's speaking about his love for DC, too. I think he's in line to play a Superman character. It's not confirmed. Have you guys heard that? No. I have not, but I am so surprised how many MCU characters are transferring over to DC and vice versa. Yeah, he's going to, uh, for HBO Max, he's going to develop a a Black Superman series. 
And of course, everyone has taken the leap that he's going to be the uh, the Black Superman. And there's there's two that I can remember, and one of them appears. Ah, oh, his name slips my mind right now. I hate myself. But he appears along with Alan Scott on Earth Two and the JSA. So coincidence? Yeah. Ah, oh, <laughs> I know. There's a lot to keep track of. Most of What If's MCU alumni are easy to spot, but hiding in episode six is Paul Bettany reprising his role as Tony Stark's AI Jarvis. Bettany's voice can be heard in the back while Tony and Killmonger are taking a break in the workshop. Lying on the floor. Back when, <laughs> back when Tony Stark was building his first full armor in Iron Man, he would film test runs to document the process, which is pretty funny. The scene happens when Tony and Killmonger, or Eric, in my notes I kept writing KM because I, I got tired of writing <laughs> Killmonger. Work on the liberators in What If, but this time it's the latter starring in a demo reel. The whole movie style is consistent in both scenes, suggesting What If's engineering montage was absolutely intended as a tribute to Tony crafting Iron Man's suit in the main MCU. That's what I got out of it, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Spitballing engineering ideas with Killmonger, Tony considers powering the combat drones using miniaturized arc reactors. He's always spitballing Tony Stark. You notice that? Even when he had the save the universe it's a good thing he had a supercomputer right <laughs> in another life stark implanted an arc reactor into his chest avoiding death after the missile explosion in afghanistan scaling down the technology successfully arc reactors would later power each of stark iron man armors alongside the prototype repulsor from earlier this what if line highlights how the iron man concept is still rattling around in tony's brain somewhere just an idea Nevertheless, it's strange that the alt Stark would dismiss the miniature arc reactor as dumb when his prime MCU counterpart was defined by it. Put down the scotch. Yep. With Tony dismissing the miniaturized arc reactor as a mere flight of fancy, Killmonger suggests melting down vibranium as a power source, producing a ring from around his neck. Though he claims the trinket was picked up as the black market, impulse by, lie, <laughs> to prevent Stark from discovering Eric's true lineage. This is the Wakanda royal wing worn by Killmonger's father, Najobu. A young Eric took the ring from Najobu's death and wore it as a necklace until arriving back in Wakanda as an adult. When Tony Stark tells Killmonger that the Western world's last batch of vibranium was used up during the war. Which one? <laughs> he is, of course, talking about Captain America's shield, which Howard Stark constructed from famously from some hardy Wakandan metal. Examining Killmonger's vibranium ring, not knowing a seal on it, I don't know, Tony throws up a hologram of its atomic structure and surrounding the room with a bright blue atoms. His visual is designed to mimic Iron Man 2 moments when Tony's father, from beyond the grave, helped his son discover a replacement for palladium. Killmongers explains that vibranium would work, but without enough on hand, they'll need to help Ulysses Klaus, black market arm dealer. I always struggle with that guy's name, yeah. who specializes in many. Is it Klaus? I think it or, is. Without, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's not spelled with the S. <laughs> okay. Tony and Killmonger decides to send Rhodey to handle the transaction. Handle it. Because then it'll all be on the up and up, because he's their liaison. Really? Or Rhodey. Yeah. The first tease of Wakanda in the MCU came via Avengers Age of Ultron, which mentioned the country by name and listed Ulysses, Ulysses Klaus Vibranian Stock Headquarters as Salvage Yard African Coast. <laughs> Many fans immediately suspected Klaus would become deeply involved in Wakanda in the MCU, and so it ultimately proved correct. What if copies Avengers Age of Ultron by once again using the Salvage Yard African Coast as a text description? I love how it's like, let's just make this as generic as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Although 
Ulysses does the talking as if he'd let anybody else do it. Anyway, another familiar face can be spotted at the Churchill shipyard base. The goon wearing a black band around his head appeared in Age of Ultron, where he was portrayed by Bentley Kalu. As per Killmonger's design, the vibranium deal between Ulysses, Klaus, and Rhodey is interrupted by the arrival of the Black Panther. This allows Michael B. Jordan's villain to not only steal the precious metal, but also get rid of T'Challa and Rhodey. To kill his cousin, Killmonger uses a weapon he calls the Sonic Taser. Which, this is where I'm like, where the heck did this come from? (laughs) And I totally forgot about it again. But we have this coming from Iron Man 2008, when Obadiah used it to torture Tony, or at least render him immobile. Right. So he can take the arc, Mm. which that... That I remember after, it's like, oh yeah, Obadiah, and when he pulls it out and you hear, the sound effects were what grossed me out. Right. <laughs> you hear it like sucking, oh uh, yeah, okay, I'm not even going to, uh. <laughs> Killmonger's version is obviously a more lethal upgrade. Tony Stark uses Jarvis to record a holographic replay of the Churchill incident, thus proving Killmonger has betrayed him. Yeah, maybe not show all of your cards. Cards, Just- yeah. The very same technology was used in Iron Man 3 to recreate a crime scene of a deadly theater bombing. In the Prime MCU, RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., character wears a bracelet allowing remote control of his Iron Man armors. The very same bracelet is used to activate the Liberator drone in What If, making a third instance of Iron Man technology used for non-Iron Man purposes in Episode 6. Kinda wish he was able to go into it, because it probably would have been better. Yeah. Like Kenny from South Park, Dying is rapidly mm-hmm. becoming Tony Stark's gig <laughs> in the MCU. Stark experienced a vision of his own death in Age of Ultron, then kicked the bucket for real in Endgame. Since premiering in August, What If has killed Tony Stark via poisoning, zombie virus, and now vibranium spear? Which, I thought the spear had gotten him in the shoulder. It did. I, yeah. So it's like, how is he dying from a shoulder wound? <laughs> Apparently he's not as buff as he is in Iron Man, because he's all the drinking. Right. Yeah. Perhaps the What If writers had a competition to see who can give Iron Man the most inventive death scene. See, and this is when you need to ask RDJ, which I did this when I interviewed people from Game of Thrones, how would you write your death? Right. And see what he comes up with, because I bet he'd blow them all away. Yep. In the aftermath, General Ross arrives and orders Stark Industries to put the Liberator drones in production with the plan of... Attack being to, well, attack Wakanda. And when that happened, I'm like, what? Yeah. How are you just like, I'm going to come take over everything. And is it just me or is General Ross like a whole lot of this right now? Yeah. I'm like, he's just popping up all over. We didn't see him this much in the actual (laughs) MCU. No. (laughs) He's our bad guy, General. Yeah. In spite of the massive divisions, Tony Stark's life has taken in... But if, episode six, he still repeats the same mistake from Age of Ultron. I'm not exactly surprised. No. (laughs) In live action, Tony created the Iron Legion to protect the world, but his vision, ha ha ha, was hijacked by (laughs) Ultron, proving AI couldn't be trusted for the safeguarding of Earth. Despite not becoming Iron Man, what if C. Stark built an army of Liberator drones, which essentially served the same purpose, designed for good, retrofitted for evil? Okay. In my opinion, at this point, this was because Killmonger was there whispering in his ear, basically, the whole time. Here's this good thing. It's like, follow this trail of crumbs, and 
Don't worry about anything bad that could happen. Stark isn't the only character who can't seem to avoid fate during What If. In Black Panther, Killmonger uses Ulysses Cloud's ally right up into entering Wakanda, at which point Eric lived up to his nickname and slaughtered Andy Serkis' character on the spot, marching the corpse into Wakanda as a trophy. Okay, if you were at the edge of a force field, how did you walk through? Just throwing that up. Even though Killmonger's plan in What If is completely different, poor Ulysses, well... His aspect remains unchanged. <laughs> He's still just as dead. Just as Tony Stark was always destined to inflict Ultron upon the world, Killmonger was always destined to murder Ulysses Klaus. Killmonger snakes his way into T'Challa's heart by recalling stories of Mount Bashanga and a little tug on the heartstrings and the emotions has its desired effect. I don't know. I feel like he is smarter than that. The royal family should have been smarter. Yep. Didn't come out that way, though, did it? Nope. Mount Bashanga is where the Vibranium Meteorite crashed into Wakanda and where Black Panther battles his cousin in primary MCU continuity. The vital location was named after Wakanda's original Black Panther, the man who first thought the heart-shaped herb looked tasty. Okay. Here, eat this. Let's see if I die. <laughs> yeah. It worked out well for you. <laughs> when Killmonger meets T'Challa on the ancestral plane reserved for those who ingest the purple herb, the former Black Panther is dressed in a white ceremonial outfit. It's almost identical to the costume that Chadwick Boseman wears when visiting the ancestral plane himself in Black Panther, even though he was on the other side of the conversation back then. Side note, is this the last time we're supposed to hear Chadwick? Because I know he did several episodes of What If. Right, I think so. Because oh, this is his third one. for me. Yep. I'm going to cry. Thanks a lot, Steve. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Black Panther, Killmonger seized the throne from his cousin and forcibly became the new Black Panther, adopting a similar suit to T'Challa, but with gold adornments instead of silver. After taking the heart-shaped herb in What If, Eric is clad in more or less the same modified suit from the live action. In this fracture of the multiverse, Tony Stark never became Iron Man or helped form the Avengers, but his unfulfilled destiny is referenced by this poster, which tells the American people that only they can avenge tony stark's death <laughs> hey come on but it wasn't tony stark that did the avengers it was nick fury is he not in this universe yeah it's a tragic mirror of the mcu narrative that we know and love whereas tony stark once promised if he couldn't save the world he'd be damn sure to avenge it now his colleagues are now asking the public to avenge him seems strange here go out there and do whatever the many long, MCU fans. I was going to say, as long as it's dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the many MCU fans who also enjoyed a spot of Star Wars might notice how similar Killmonger's what if plan is to Emperor Palpatine. I didn't catch this, but good job, guy. <laughs> Both create artificial armies and play two sides against each other, fighting for one while secretly arming the other, all while the ultimate intention of seizing power is what the truth is. See, my husband happened to point out looked very Nazi-ish. Right. I, he may have said it looked very Star Wars-ish with that. Or I can't remember what he said, but just seeing all of the, the troops, it's like, oh, all sorts of creepy. And when the red light comes on the eyes, and it's like, yeah, not good. Right. But meanwhile, we go back to Stark Industries. Pepper is visited by Suri, who mm. looks like she's 12 in this. Right. Like that. <laughs> Why'd they make her so short, too? 
who reveals the truth about Tony's death and offers to help take down Killmonger. I almost felt like this was going to be a two-parter with this. Right. And it may well be. I mean, we don't know anything, but most of the what-ifs don't just give us this kind of, I want to say, semi-cliffhanger ending. I was a little surprised when it ended. I'm like, huh? Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like there might be more that comes from this. Like, what if Suri takes over? Unless somehow this is going to lead into Black Panther 2, which, I don't know. I feel like everything comes together one way or another with this. Right. But, was it a leap yeah. for anybody else for Shuri to come up with this uh, conclusion? Did well, she's just supposed to be a genius. Right. And <laughs> yeah. she was but, able to hack into Stark systems but, and get the information out of Jarvis. So, But they already gave us the narrative statement that uh, she's convinced because, hey, you looked up at him and said, hey, you were right during the, you know, the battle. Right. So what changed her mind? Yeah. I think she w- was saying it, but... Like, oh, hey, that worked. And then why would Tony Stark built in a second uh, second switch or whatever? I can't right, the yeah. There. I think that's what kind of clicked. It's like, hmm, if he did this, I should look into it and see why. But it just felt weird. Like, there was so much gullibility, I felt like, from the Wakandan leaders all of a sudden. And I like the fact, though, that the queen was the general of the armies. But would she have gone into fighting with a giant headdress on? I <laughs> feel like she wouldn't have done that. Like, that's well, not very... She had know. the biggest helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For the okay. who don't know, yeah, so, it's so, another crossover for us. For it's a, an, I can't stand these crossovers. How is this happening? <laughs> I don't know. There was, like, little parts. Like you said with, sorry, why would she change her mind? I'm like, why would the the king suddenly be like, yeah, I'm all in. And what was with the glow in the dark tattoo on his lip? I mean, I don't remember that from Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had that. But uh, I don't know if was it was glow in the dark, though. No, yeah. <laughs> they just lip, reveal it. Under lips oh. were tattooed, yep. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. <laughs> Maybe because like, it wasn't glowing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anything else with this episode? There, there was parts, like I said, that just got me. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it kind of reminded me of the Stargirl a little where that we also podcast on that there were just leaps here and there. Like, how'd you get to that point? You know, or a little inconsistency. I mean, it's OK to be inconsistent for this show because it's what if you can do anything right. you want. But, uh, it's, I know, it's still too dark for me. You know, if you set up a narrative and a set of rules, you have to you still have to stay by the rules no matter what universe you're in, I think. Apparently, <laughs> huh? Apparently, no. Apparently not. Okay. Yeah. Steve, any more thoughts on this? I thought Killmonger's plan was executed to perfection. Now, yeah, was it believable that he was able to not only full start, but Wakanda (laughs) too? Maybe that's the stretch. (laughs) Because Pepper was suspicious of him from the beginning. Yeah. From step one. Yeah. Yeah. Tony alcohol just clouded his brain. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Otherwise, he's a genius. Yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know what? The fact that you said that, we can can say that the king and queen had grief, like, clouding their judgment. It's very possible. Although, during the fight, I was really thinking he was going to accidentally kill the queen. Right. 
I kind of had that thought too when they were in battle and he kind of looked over at her. I thought, Oh no, here we go. Yeah. It was like, Oh, I didn't mean to. I was trying to save her life. But yeah, I really thought that was going to happen. But that is what eventually convinced the King to give him the purple heart. So, right. Yeah. And that was the main goal that he had was to get that purple heart. All I had to do was take a knee. Yeah. The King and he goes, okay. Yep. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us, as there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. We have so many podcasts. I think you'll find something that you enjoy. You can go to www.fangirlzone.com. Check out our contacts page for all the ways to get a hold of us. Send us your thoughts. We really want to know. Am I the only one who thinks some of these what ifs are super dark or (laughs) it's okay? I mean, I now kind of want a lot of these in paperback. So So for this episode of the Marvelous Post Blip podcast, I'm Steve. It's only a failure if it explodes or doesn't explode. I'm Sean Fangirl S, and everybody wants something. And I'm Mischievous Dave. Man, I've I've got to get me one of those spears because a man without a spear isn't a man at all. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.